Hello, I'm Ben Decker, author of Practical Meditation for Beginners. Welcome to Mental Health Awareness Radio, where I speak candidly with professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyday people about how they cultivate mental wellness to help you collect strategies and develop habits to set yourself up for success in your health, relationships, and career. My guest today is a mother of five sons, an entrepreneur, and a gourmet chocolatier. She also happens to be my mom. Karma Decker is the founder of Karma in the Kitchen, an artisan chocolate shop in Old Westchester, Ohio. In this episode, we discuss postpartum depression, the power of daily ritual and routine, self-care, personal reinvention, serving others, and a whole lot more. This and every episode was first recorded on Instagram Live and remains in its original, unedited format. Let's begin. So, Mom, you're a chocolatier. You've got uh, a chocolate shop in Westchester, Ohio, mm-hmm. and um, you're also the mother of five boys. Correct. So, um, so when I remember growing up, I remember we would every day we had um, at least once, usually twice a day, we had family prayer. Mm-hmm. We tried. Um, tricky that? with that many people I said we tried it's tricky with that many people and yeah I think every so. night we had um we had family prayer before bed and every time we had a meal together we had family prayer and um and so that was something that um we know we now know from like a neuroscience perspective that kind of thing keeps keeps people in a good rhythm keeps people sane keeps people going and functioning uh there's that expression that the family that prays together stays together and um, I think, yeah, I think so far so good. I think in, in a general sense, we have stayed together. And um, so thanks everybody for coming. And uh, if you ever want to say hi or check in or ask any questions, uh, we're here, I'll, I'll read them and we can, we can ask them and talk about them. Um, but mom, so I wanted to talk a little bit about how you became a chocolatier. You know, for me, uh, growing up there, you did always make all different kinds of sweet treats, not just chocolates, but you, you made candy, you made chocolates, you made all different kinds of things. Um, you made a lot of cinnamon rolls and cookies and, and bread, and you made a lot of dinner. And good, of- wholesome, nutritious meals in addition to all of those. But yeah, that's my favorite. Yes, all that stuff. also nutritious meals with vegetables <laughs> and, right. and all that kind of thing right. every day. Okay, so I wanted to talk about uh, mental health. We know that when, uh, we know that especially for women, when women are having children, especially a lot of children, especially a lot of children uh, concurrently, right in a row, there's, there's the condition of postpartum depression. Um, they say 96% of women who have children experience a phase of postpartum depression. And so when you were, when you were having all those kids and, and we were, were all, Pretty close. Um, Pretty close, yeah. Uh, yeah, hey, Cynthia, there are five boys, five kids, and they're all within about, the first two are one year apart. We're all about around one to three years apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's um, in nine years, five boys, nine years, so. Five boys in nine years. Okay, so, um, so if you guys have any questions about that, any young parents, like, go for it. Um, uh, so let's talk, I wanna talk a little bit, I wanna know what your, what it, what your process was like when, when you were in the midst of all that, you had all these young kids at home. Uh, What was your relationship to a postpartum depression? What was that like for you? 
Uh, you know what? I actually, uh, with my first one, um, I didn't, I didn't notice it or feel it, but I definitely did with number two. And, um, and it was weird concept for me because I, um, I was just in this funk. I had these two tiny babies, you know, and, um, I was tired all the time. She's not sleeping. So I think that adds to it. And, um, I was pretty young, so I really wasn't, um, tuned into taking care of myself like maybe I should have and and then of course all the hormones so I think um, all of that combined you know of course you're going to be depressed and you're not going to like everything you do and sometimes motherhood is um, mostly just really hard and I I think um, you know I definitely experienced with um, I most profoundly with my second child and um, even though he was perfect and wonderful and great, and so was the first one and, and the third and the fourth and the fifth, they were all really great babies and beautiful and made me so happy to be a mom and I love being a mom, but it's hard. And um, so it's, it's really, really tricky uh, to overcome that. But um, I definitely experienced it. I didn't really know what it was at the time and I didn't really recognize that it was a common thing until much later, um, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because I I, um, I don't think it was like a, a shame thing. I just think it was in my own ignorance. I just didn't recognize it. And uh, so, you um, know, obviously Mrs. I do... Mrs. Southern Style is saying that you have literally the best chocolate in the world, always <laughs> feeling spoiled when Corey, Corey gifts her chocolates from Karma. Yeah, definitely the best chocolates in the world. And so that's something that I, just from being the third of those five children, um, Darcy just joined us too. Hey, Darcy. Hey, Darcy. Um, so being, you know, going back, looking back on that, having the memories that I do have, what I remember is, um, I remember that you definitely made sure, you and dad definitely made sure that we were at church every Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that every time we had a meal together, we blessed the food. Um, I, I remember that you were almost always making the food. It was never, we really rarely ate out. We really rarely had, um, like, we would go to restaurants and, and fast food and stuff on really, really rare occasions. Yeah. Um, but you were always making things. And it, it was more often than not like a real meal where everything was actually really made. And it wasn't like a lot of stuff out of cans or a lot of freeze dried. You know, so there was, um, so what I remember is that there was a lot of care put into different things. Um, and so now as a meditation teacher and as a counselor, I'm really aware that when people are experiencing depression, um, those are things that we recommend them to do, to learn new recipes, uh, to take up different interests, to try different things. So I did notice, I can observe it with hindsight that you did pick up naturally uh, yoga. I remember you were doing yoga in the living room. I remember, I remember the day you brought, you introduced me to yoga. I remember you telling me about the yoga blocks and I have a yoga block right over there. I remember you said, I was like, what the heck is this yoga thing all about? What in the heck is a yoga block for? And I remember you said, the yoga block is for when you're either real kind of bad at yoga or really good at yoga. <laughs> so, and I'll yeah. never forget that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it can either make a stretch a little bit easier or a little right. more challenging. Yeah. And so I remember that. And I remember you were always doing different things. And then also, 
Um, and, and, and postpartum depression being a normal chemical thing that happens, uh, you having a bunch of kids right in a row, there was sort of like um, no, and, and like you said, without the self-care, without knowing right. what, what the self-care really needed to be, um, I, I think that the, um, how do you feel like the role of having a community played into that experience for you? Oh, it was huge. It's huge to have um, women that are supportive around each other. And so even now, when I look in, and I encounter young moms, strangers in the grocery store, um, and you know, anyway, I see them and I see them struggling and I always want to look at them and meet their eyes and say, hang in there. Because um, acknowledging that what you're experiencing is hard is huge. Because, you know, um, Instagram makes it look like motherhood is really glamorous sometimes. And, um, you know, everybody's hair looks great. Your makeup looks great. Your kids are adorable and they matching outfits. And that never happens. That's not real. And uh, I think acknowledging that, you know, getting your child to stop, you know, climbing out of the grocery cart is a struggle and it's hard. But there's also a purpose in it um, that if you can get uh, outside of yourself for a minute and, and recognize that, yeah, we had a lot of kids and maybe that wasn't our original plan, um, but being a mom is, um, it's the only thing that is important in my life. Uh, you know, well, I should say, I like my husband a lot, <laughs> so, but, but being a mom is like preeminent. It's a big deal and to do it well is really stinking hard. And, um, but I think, you know, having a structure, you know, you're talking about having meals together and um, prayer every night and church on Sunday. Um, even though we, we had, we made an effort to teach you and your brothers about Heavenly Father and his role in your life. Um, more, not just that, but also having structure is huge. So if you don't have a schedule and you don't have structure and you're not um, challenging yourself to learn different things and, and new things, um, yeah, life can get really, really mundane and hard. And um, I think- Yeah, I, rem I remember one time you were speaking at church um and you and i don't and i was really young so i don't remember exactly what the talk was on but you were speaking at church and you were talking about um basically this basically taking care of yourself basically mental health uh that's that's the gist that i remember okay um, yeah. i'm sure i'm sure it was like <laughs> filtered through like religious context but um the but it is important spiritually to to take good care of yourself mentally just as it's important spiritually to take care of yourself physically and you know yes. in, in the ways that that makes sense um but i remember you in addition to scripture study and prayer and um, everything related to that um i remember you had a couple books that were basically like self-help books Yes. That, you, that you held up <laughs> and I remember I was like what's that and I got really intrigued into self-help that was like my introduction into self-help and um you had um there was one book that I remember you 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 mentioned that you thought was helpful to give you a different perspective and then there was another book that I found on your nightstand because you know I was a good kid who never went in your room and never went through your stuff right <laughs> yeah you're awesome like that yeah 
Uh, no, so Never obviously I was always project. digging through, I was always getting into something. I was always digging through something and researching something. And um, so I remember the book you held up was the John Gray book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Oh, really? Do you remember okay. that? Yeah, that was I the book. I remember having that book, yes. Yeah, I remember I took note of it because you mentioned it, but it was one of like five books. And that's the yeah. one I really remember. I think maybe The Four Agreements was one of them. Um, but I remember the three books that I really got off of your bookshelf were, well, four, I guess. There was Mormon Doctrine, which is like this doctrinal anthology this thick that I it's read the, cover yeah. to cover. It's a reference and, manual, yes. Yeah, which I read like it was a storybook uh, from cover <laughs> to cover in like first grade. And um, yes. the, the other ones that I really remember were Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, um, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and The Art of Happiness that the Dalai okay, Lama yeah. co-wrote. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I wrote, and so all, all of that content for me, I felt really blessed, especially, and I feel really blessed looking in hindsight now for having exposure to all of that really young. Cause those were ideas that like were integrated into my mind and that like, I think, I think influenced the way I, I proceeded throughout the right. rest of my life, you know? Um, but okay, so I wanna, um, shift gears a little bit so uh, when um when you so the postpartum experience that is they say that's like a, a form of grief um because you you have the experience with uh in throughout pregnancy and then okay. after pregnancy there's a form of grief from from actually not having the baby inside of you you know um but then there's other kinds of grief you know um moving causes a lot of grief uh, new jobs causes losing a job, getting a new job that causes a lot of grief, um, and uh, and actually deaths, deaths of loved ones. Um, all of those things have happened a number of times. You know, we moved a few times when I was growing up. Um, you had a couple different jobs. Dad had a couple different jobs. Uh, we were in and out of different communities and stuff, and. Um, and also uh, your mother passed and your father passed, you know, right. and then also dad's mom and dad passed away, you know, so all of those different forms of grief have come in, you know, and something that that I want to ask you to just share a little bit about that I've witnessed you do is um, reinvention. Um, there, when I was a little kid, you, you always cooked, you were always in the kitchen. Um, but, but when I was a little kid, the focus the creative focus was really around quilting. You were essentially a professional quilter. You were really high level. You were designing your own quilts. Um, you were in quilting magazines. You were on like a quilting TV show. You only one time. Okay. Well, that's what I said, quilting TV show. And uh, you, uh, you also had a, a product line, a quilt related Mm -hmm. product line that was sold at the local stores and you had and you wrote a book called a stitch and rhyme a, a quilting themed poetry book so you were you have a very good memory sir but okay <laughs> well so. so you you there was a time when you were when you had that career path and that creative expression and you really were very professional about it um and then then there was um a time when there was a reinvention and i would say the reinvention that i really see after that was when you were teaching in seminary yes and okay. um and so you really embraced the role of a teacher 
Um, and I, and I saw it that I remember waking up like at five o'clock in the morning and you were like fully dressed hair, makeup, dressed like you're going to church <laughs> yeah. on Sunday to teach this class in the morning. And I remember just being like, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to grow <laughs> up and be able to do that at some point? So no. you. you do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, technically, yes. Um, uh, but then after, you know, when, when you were transitioning out of teaching seminary, you that's when you became a professional chocolatier. Uh, like mm -hmm. you said, you were always making candy and chocolates and doing all different kinds of things. Um, but you you actually studied and became a professional chocolatier yep. and, um, and opened up a chocolate shop, you know. Darcy's saying she still doesn't do that. Yeah, I don't either, Darcy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it skips a generation. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to talk. I want to hear from you um, about reinvention and how that what that feels like for you in the context of mental health. Um, so I think I used to uh, say that I started doing those things because I, I'd get bored really easy. And um, but I I, I have always, even though I don't consider myself to be artistic, I think um, in general, human beings want to be creative. And mm -hmm. um, so I, and I do, I, I do want to be creative and I do enjoy when I, when I've done something, I love looking at it and going, dang, look what I just did. I love that. Um, even if it's, you know, a dinner or, um, oh my gosh, when I learned how to make bread, holy crap, that's amazing that I could do this thing. But I, I would um, quickly, once I had mastered something or felt like I was pretty proficient in something, I would want to do it a little better or add a little something to it. And, um, and I always have that in the back of my head, even if I'm not actively working on something, I have, this is what I want to do next. Um, and... Uh, I feel like that was part of part of my self care that I really enjoyed that um, that process and figuring things out and so um, because I found that um, really it doesn't even matter what your medium is when you want to create something I mean for a while it was quilting and so I had a lot of fabric and stuff around me when I was teaching seminary it was all about what could I do to wake these kids up at you know six o'clock in the morning and and make learning about uh, God interesting to them, you know, at that hour of the day. And what could I do? And so that was a creative outlet for me. And now it happens to be that my medium is chocolate. And um, it's actually uh, been so fulfilling to have something that not only feeds my soul, but uh, when people try something that I've made and they like it, um, that, you know, the more than the monetary benefit of it, it's, it is that, that I have done something of worth. And- um, Okay, so I'll just say something about that. Uh, the, there's a few things that are coming up. First, um, that is a divine quality. It's, you know, we're, we're children of God. Um, it, what, what is the first thing in the Judeo-Christian traditions we learn about God? That God's a creator. So in the beginning, God created. So if we're children of God, we wanna create, we're born to create. And um, so I think that that is, in a way, tuning into your, your creative um, divine faculty. And then also from a spiritual psychology perspective, um, when, we're, when, we're, when we're taking one thing and turning it into something that's more beautiful or more refined, 
It's psycho psychological alchemy. It's taking base things into something more valuable. And mm -hmm. so, um, and I see that all the time. And, and so when it, when it comes to, um, and so something I wanna just tell you guys who are on here and who are gonna watch this later, uh, go follow her, Karma in the Kitchen. Um, that's, that's her page and that's, that's the name of her chocolate shop. And uh, you can order online, great, great products. But I wanna just say something about how she does this. So when it, when it comes to, we'll start with the chocolates, but this is true about when she was teaching seminary and when she was a quilter and, and a number of other things. Um, but there's a, there's a presence. You're totally present with that thing that you're doing when you're doing it. And, mm -hmm. the, and everything about it is precise. And yes. so, uh, so when it comes to the chocolates, um, every aspect of every truffle. So these truffles, some of them have multiple layers. They have a ganache center. They have a cream center. They have different kinds of uh, textures that you're dealing with. You're, you're taking a bunch of different ingredients and turning them into different things. They're all very, very precise and very beautiful. Hey, yes. Cultured Forest. Hey, everybody who's on here. Um, and so what I see is um, a really high level of creative excellence that you demonstrate. And so that's the same. And you, you learn what other people are doing. You have the big books yeah. and you study it. But more than anything, it's about doing your own expression of it, having your own okay. spin on it, you know, doing your own thing. And that was true with seminary. Um, I remember taking your classes and, um, and we, would, we would read from the scriptures, but you would come up with your own visual aids. You would come up with your own anecdotes yeah. and your own ways of presenting and teaching the content. Um, and then also with, when it comes to quilting, you were designing your own quilts. You were using other patterns, but it was almost like you were using the patterns just to learn and integrate the basic principles. So you could then put your own spin on it and do your own thing with it. Um, and I think that that is from a neuroscience perspective that keeps you young. It keeps your it keeps like your telomeres young. It keeps your neural right. firing young. Um, keeps your 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 brain really active, you know. Um, and so so that's something that I want to just like kind of compliment you on. But when it comes to parenting, there was a period of time that I I remember I had behavioral issues. Yes, guys, I had behavioral issues. <laughs> um, so, but I was going through my own thing too, because I was also moving and I was also going through my own right. psychological right. process. Um, but the, and being a human is hard. Being a human is hard, <laughs> being alive is hard. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of designed that way. Um, but I remember the way you treated parenting me like a project. And I think that that is something that I think parents can really, really take in because when I, I have friends who are young parents and I, and I wish I could just like transmit that, that data to them, that give them that, that transmission, because I remember you had like chore wheels and, and reward systems. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I, when I had behavioral problems, specifically, I want to say like middle school. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth grade. I, I remember was this. Bored. I was so bored. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't care less about what was going on. Uh, I I was so bored with everything. I I was I I don't know what it was. I had some kind of like energy. Uh, I I always wanted to be talking. I didn't want to be lectured to, and um, but I was good at school. I was intelligent. 
Yeah. So I remember I would learn the, the content and it would be so b b b boring. And I would talk back to the teacher and I would know the answer to everything and I would interrupt all the time. And I remember you created a chart where I had to have every single teacher sign that I did all the work yeah. that I was, it was like, did he do the assignments? Um, how was his behavior in class? There's like three criteria that I had to have every single teacher sign off on every single class. And then I had a reward. And it's so interesting because now we know from a neuroscience perspective that those are the ways that you rewire someone's brain, that you rewire your brain. You, yeah. you tweak the way the reward system happens. Do you remember what the reward was? Do you remember? I don't remember. Do you? Yeah, you got me a photo shoot. You, my mom booked me a photo shoot as a reward for well, for strike of genius right there. Good behavior at school, yeah. So she was she was reading <laughs> me to be a social media influencer. Um, well, anyway, um, mom, thanks for hanging out. Uh, are there any other mental health tips that are coming up right now? Uh, I, you know what? I don't know if I'm specifically a really good. Um, you know, person to be talking about mental health, because I do have moments where I'm not very good at it. But um, I think yeah, I know that when I am um, self absorbed, and I'm really worried about something, and I just can't get out of my own head, I really have to go, I really have to go do something else. Uh, there are people around you that need love and support and service. And I always find that when I learn about someone else's problems, mine don't feel so uh, overwhelming. So I think um, serving those around you is a, a great way to kind of um, help yourself really. Um, learning new things uh, is always good, but it has to, I mean, chocolate is fun, you know, so there's a lot to it and it's hard work. And here I am, you know, I don't know what time it is in Calvert, 630. It's 930 at night and I'm still sitting in my chocolate shop and I got work to do. But I, even though I'm kind of old, I'm, I love it. And I love it so much that I'm willing to put in that kind of time to, um, to make it a good, uh, you know, to make it successful. Um, but I think if you find something that you really love, um, uh, boy, embrace it and really make it yours. But I think you can always take that thing that you love uh, and use it to serve other people. Um, so that's the, really, I mean, chocolate, if I, if I just was making it for my own enjoyment, it would be so much less than I, when I make it for others. So. Um, thanks, mom. Okay, so check it out, guys. The tips that we're getting from my mom. Here's, what, here's the little quick recap. Um, don't be afraid to reinvent yourself and try new things, learn new things, put your own spin on things that you're learning. Um, take good care of yourself. Make sure you're practicing good self-care. Set yourself up for success and share, give to others, make sure that what you're doing is not just about you because life's not just about you. So give, uh, come up with a way to let that thing that you're good at or let that thing that you're trying be something that you're able to share and bless the lives of other people. So thank you, mom. Thank you, Karma Decker for coming on uh, and talking about mental health for Mental Health Awareness Month. Thank you, Kirsten and Jade and Char Truffles and Cynthia and Darcy and everyone who's on here. You guys are awesome. And so go follow my mom at Karma okay. in the Kitchen. All right. Love, Love you guys. Man. Thanks, mom. See ya. Bye.
I'm Ben Decker. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Awareness Radio. Subscribe for more resources to help you live a happier, more fulfilling life. Next time, join the conversation live by following me on Instagram at Benjamin W. Decker. Thanks again, and stay well.